What I liked about him when I saw him in person at the East-West. So I think this kid gives you a lot of potential in terms of what you're looking for up front. I see him in the Bears offense as a Z or a slot receiver, not the X, because they want the real big guy playing the X. You know, he could be sitting out there in the third round, and you could be getting a guy that could be your situational pass rusher. I think he's a perfect fit for what I've been told the Bears are looking for. This is my three technique for the Bears, especially if you don't take a guy like Jalen Carter at the top of the draft. This will be a nice pickup. It's perfectly in the system. My gut feeling is this would not be a guy the Bears would take. It's a good name because that's a guy that I'm intrigued by. Obviously, here with, with the Bears, you know, defensive line, defensive front is, is a huge need. I think he's the best center in, in this draft. You see who made up the offensive line this year. They're all athletic. And why are they athletic? Because, like, the tackles got to pull a lot. They got to get out in space. They got to adjust on the move, be able to hit a moving target, break down in, in the open space and hit a moving target. So you're not going to get these unless the guy's a freak and he's really a, a rare athlete for being so big. You're not going to get these 330, 335 pound guys. You're going to get guys that are usually in the three teens, maybe 322, 323. But it, 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 a lot of it depends on their athleticism. So you have to pay attention to not only the 40, but with linemen really what's important is the 10-yard speed. And But then you look at the 20-yard shuttle and the three-cone, and obviously you want to look for some explosiveness, so that's where the, the standing long jump and the vertical jump come into play. He has got tons of positives, right? Positive, big, strong, physical specimen who possesses solid athletic ability, displays solid take-on strength, you know, and, and overall play strength, can rock back offensive linemen. You see what that, what that punch of is. You see a knockback offensive lineman's head go back as soon as he hits him. Um, you know, when he reads and diagnoses a play, he can extend, you know, it's almost 34-inch arms. He can shed that blocker, and he can make a play on, on a ball carrier. So you see it a lot of times as a run defender, when he sees the play, when he diagnoses who has the football, you see him take on the linebacker, or I'm sorry, take on the offensive lineman, push him to the side, maintain that 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 his uh, assignment there in, in the gap, and be a solid, sound run stopper. Again, effective run defender when he what I call skinny and he powers his way in between blockers to to pierce that backfield and get in there and drop the running back for a tackle for a loss. Disturbing. Discretion is advised.
Welcome, everyone, to a freshly minted episode of GTF Gabriel Talks Football. My name is Aldo Gandia. I wanted to start today's show with some clips from our Patreon site, patreon.com forward slash barroom draft, patreon.com forward slash barroom draft. That's where Greg Gabriel and Danny Shimon are imparting draft wisdom. We're moving into the last month of our endeavor. So it's only cost you going to cost you $10 to get evaluations from both Danny and Greg. Hope you will consider. I'll flash up the name of the website in just a few minutes, but I want to welcome in my friend, my buddy, and the star of the show, Greg Gabriel. How are you, my friend? I'm doing good. And by the way, speaking of the, the draft stuff, I've, I've got a few more guys that I did over the weekend that we got to add to it. And then there's going to be guys throughout the month that, you know, depending on pro days, as I get the pro day information, could go up a little, could go down a little. Um, not that it's going to make a big difference, but there's certain things that you're looking for that you might, they might not have done at the combine or whatever. And that can have an effect on where they get drafted. Indeed. And we're also working on a special uh, just got to figure out the technical aspects of it. But to have uh, Greg and uh, Danny co-host their own Patreon show where uh, all the Patreon subscribers will get an opportunity to ask questions to our top two draft evaluators. Greg, how was your weekend? I understand that uh, you are recovering and gaining weight. Nice. Well, it's coming back slowly, but sure. Jesus, <laughs> I don't like being a skinny. What was it your wife said to you? <laughs> Don't go out. You might scare people. <laughs> you want to share with us? You how, look uh... sickly. <laughs> <laughs> you want to share with us how much you weighed and what you're up to now? Well, I mean, I got a million weights. I played football at now. You know, I played in college in the early 70s. Uh, that I played um, minor league football up until 1981. I was a running guy. I was a small running back. In those days, I wasn't small, small, but in today's world, I am. But I was 185 to 190, and I was like five, nine and a half. And then I, I kept the 185, got up until about 10 years ago. And mm -hmm. Then, you know, you start getting a little lazy, you know, now 10 years ago, I was, you know, 62 years old. So I uh, wasn't working out quite as much. And by the time that, that I, well, what happened was I, I tore my Achilles. So four years ago, right now. And then I had a knee replacement, both on the same leg. And so that really curtailed a lot of what I was doing and I ballooned up, I got up to about 210, 212, you know, somewhere in that area, got myself down into the 170s, felt great. And then I just had this surgery that it'll be four weeks ago this Wednesday. Wow. And I dropped 15 pounds in two weeks. So I went down to 156 pounds, wow. which I've, I've weighed since 10th grade. Probably the beginning of 10th grade. And, and uh, but, uh, you know, today I was 163. We're going in the right direction. Excellent. Excellent. So uh, hopefully you eat all that uh, pasta and all those fattening foods. Now, I, get to... getting, I, I bought a bunch of 
protein stuff, you know, protein drinks and stuff. Mm -hmm. I try to have one a day. Mm. Hey, Greg, uh, in between your protein stuff, I know you've been thinking a lot about uh, the Bears and where they're at. In terms of free agency with, uh, what is it now, four weeks till the draft, do you anticipate that the Bears could potentially uh, spend some money or maybe even extend the contract or two of veterans to uh, spend some of this 30-plus million dollars they have? Uh, I don't see an extension happening yet. Uh, I still see up to a half a dozen free agents being signed. That many, Mo- huh? Yeah, and, and most of which will be one-year deals. You might get, a depending on the player, a two-year deal. Mm-hmm. Um, what it is now, it, it's a cat-and-mouse game. <laughs> you got a price you want to pay, and these players sitting out there, they got a price that they want to get. All right. So, okay, you now you, you got a problem because the player's not going to be happy. He's looking for something. Well, you know, we're two weeks in, and things are really slowing down, so everything shifts to the team side. Mm-hmm. You know, not necessarily take it or leave it, but I think on the, on the Bears' side, he refuses to overspend what they feel they got a ceiling for, you know, every different player on their board, right. you know, based on age, uh, production, injury history, etc. So they're going to, you know, have that, have that dollar figure. Will you stretch a little? Of course, you're going to stretch a little bit, but it's not going to be overextending. And, and, and let's go back a little bit. Like Mike McGlinchey said, the only offer he had was from Denver. That's bullshit. <laughs> okay. Yeah, the only offer legally probably after, you know, the, the actual start of free agency because they were already at certain figures beforehand when they're just talking generally. And, and Bears were like, the problem with the Bears was that they weren't going to hit that guarantee that he got. Right, they thought that. Sorry, I agree with them. Yeah, so, which which I think was fifty million dollars. Um, yeah, and and I don't have any idea what what the Bears figure was on a, on a guarantee, but it sure as hell wasn't fifty million. Right, and so, um, but you know, he he's trying to pump up the Broncos a little bit, saying stuff like that. But that's we all know that's not even close to being true. That there's a lot of teams in on that. Right. So uh, during that uh, legal tampering period, you you're suggesting that there were conversations going on with, with McGlinchey's agent and the Chicago Bears and that the figures. No, I'm saying even before. Come on. Even before. Everybody, okay. everybody knows this. This goes on. I mean, come on. The legal tamping period started at, at what, 12 o'clock? And mm-hmm. at 1215, they got a, a, a deal <laughs> with TJ. Now, are you going to tell me you made a deal in 15 minutes? Absolutely not. Okay. Let's be serious here. Yeah. So, uh, but during whatever period, uh, figures were discussed and the Bears then said, okay, uh, the value isn't there for us. We'll move on. Right. No, they they placed a value on every player they were interested in Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and said, you know, this is where we're going to go and they have a ceiling. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I, I know Cliff, I know how he operates and 
then you use, you know, Ryan brings a lot of analytics into the equation. Uh, and a lot of it has to do with playtime, age, et cetera, injuries. And it just, you know, then it becomes, okay, this is, this is a good contract for us. And, mm-hmm. and then it, after that, it's like, no. You know, for instance, um, Dewan Jones or DeMar Jones, whatever the hell his name was, who ended up going to Seattle. Yeah. You know, he wanted 16 to $18 million. Right, right. Well, they pulled out long before it was going to be they're getting into 16 to $18 million. Ended up getting like 16 one or something like that. But they didn't see him as a $16 million player. So mm-hmm. you you can't, you know, yeah, you got plenty of money this year. So some fans will say, well, spend it. You got all that money. No, that's not the way it works. That's how you get yourself in trouble down mm-hmm. the road because you're stuck with those contracts if, if it doesn't work out. You've got to give out a contract that you think is the right value going forward for your team. And, and you take into consideration everything else you're going to be doing, you know, free agency, extensions, et cetera. You, you answered my next question, which is, you know, a lot of fans are out there saying, well, what's the value of protecting your quarterback? And a right tackle will protect your quarterback. Why not spend those extra few million on Mike McGlinchey and, and have a, a cornerstone right tackle for the next five, six, seven years, whatever it is? Well, Brad Biggs wrote in his column, the Bears were willing to go to $17 million. He got 17 and a half. Mm-hmm. Okay, but th- that's the average per year. The big thing wasn't the average per year. It's the guarantee. Mm-hmm. And in his case, he's got $50 million guaranteed. And, you know, I can see the people in the house all going, no, he's 28 years old. I'm not guaranteeing $50 million. Mm-hmm. You know, and he's missed some time the last two years. Right. So is he starting to hit the downward slide mm-hmm. and, and go from there. So, um, you know, I, 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 and contrary to what people think, that's the only guy they went after. Mm-hmm. That's the only one, huh? Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, there, there was medical concerns with uh, McGarry and he got like, th- th- there was agents putting out numbers, 15 to 16 million for him. And what did he get 11? I mean, you know, and, and he re-signed with Atlanta. So, and Orlando Brown just wasn't a schematic fit. And so there wasn't any way in the world that we're going to bring him in. And so it, it just worked out that oh, I, I know that like uh, Wiley, the right tackle at Kansas City, and some people thought about that name. Wiley wasn't a schematic fit for the same reason that, Orlando Brown isn't a schematic fit. He's not athletic enough to get out into space. Mm-hmm. And that's what they're looking for. And that there's one player in this draft, good football player. And that's right from Tennessee. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm coming up on him. I'm just not totally sold that even though he ran 501 in the 40, that he is really athletic enough to be able to do the things that they want their tackles to do. Mm-hmm. And when I see 
they haven't had their pro day yet. And when he does a, a three cone or a 20 yard shuttle, and I think he's a little heavy. He's 333 pounds, 332 pounds. I think he needs to be about uh, 320. And, and that's not a problem. To me, you know how I go plus minus vanilla? Mm-hmm. He's a vanilla. You might be able to get by with him. He's better than Larry Borum. He's a lot better than Larry Borum. I hate that we use him as a whipping boy, but um, <laughs> it, it's you want the ideal fit, not mm-hmm. just get by, especially if you got to take the guy high. Mm. All right. Uh, let's move on now to our top topic. And I'm, by the way, I'm collecting all of your questions. Let me squeeze one in here that just uh, just came in here. Um, Drew Black asked a lot of articles saying that polls never told Fields he was their guy. Wondering if Greg thinks he actually thinks Fields was clued in more than polls let on or not. I, I think actions speak louder than words. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, just the way they communicate with them. Mm-hmm. You don't have to put your arm around them and say, Justin, you're a guy. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, come on. Um, yeah. I, I, I don't see him as a real insecure type person. Mm-hmm. You know, so it, it's just a matter of, uh, you know, letting him know just by the movement, the things they've done. Now, you know, with the trade they did, and, and Flus, I guess, yesterday said, basically, he's our guy. You know, I read some quotes. And, and uh, so if they wanted somebody to say it, you know, he said it, mm-hmm. which is, you know, poor Jason Locking for because. <laughs> Still looking for a job. <laughs> Jason kept saying they're going to trade him. They're going to trade him. Yeah, Jason. Yeah. <laughs> it's got to find a different janitor over at Hallisaw to get us information from. (laughs) I'm not saying anything. (laughs) I just made a joke. (laughs) Okay. Let us go on to our main topic here. I wanted uh, to discuss with Greg, you know, what the possibilities are going to be at number nine. And so I figured to myself, well, what's, how's the best way to frame this? And I said, well, Greg knows Daniel Jeremiah. They're good friends. Let's take Daniel's latest mock draft, and that would sort of give us an idea who's going to fall to number nine. Let's take a look at Jeremiah's latest draft. At number one, he's got Bryce Young going to the Panthers, C.J. Stroud at two going to the Texans, although I've seen that flip-flop many times. The Arizona Cardinals selecting Will Anderson Jr., Anthony Richardson at number four going to the Colts. Interesting pick. Jalen Carter going off the boards, and it seems like all the concerns about Carter are starting to dissipate. The Lions then selecting Devin Witherspoon, the Illinois cornerback, and then at seven, Tyree Wilson, and Greg has some interesting news. Or, or Well, I, I got some things on, on, on all yeah, of these. Yeah, So, and then uh, Christian Gonzalez, number eight, to the Falcons. Go ahead, Greg. Uh, number one, it wouldn't shock me Young going to Carolina. And I'm sure they haven't made their decision yet. Mm-hmm. You know, they've been to pro days, but they'll they'll bring him in. They'll probably do a private workout with all these guys. And Richardson's not working out till this Friday. Um, from what I understand, from a guy that's really close to Houston, there ain't mm-hmm. no way they're taking C.J. Stroud. Uh, and the reason being is he's got – 
the same agent as Deshaun Watson. Oh, and they don't. They don't. They just don't want to go in that direction. Now that's just one. One person told me that, mm-hmm. who, like I say, is pretty close. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean it's gospel, but just just passing it on. Uh, Anderson to Arizona, you know that is a good probability there. But I think Arizona may be looking to get out of that pick for somebody who wants a quarterback and, and Indy may have to jump up there. I would think, and I'm guess totally guessing here because I, I I'm not going to ask Chris who he likes and who he doesn't like. He's, mm-hmm. uh, I would say that if, if Houston passes on Stroud, mm-hmm. then the Colts would take Stroud before they take Levis and Richardson. And then I'm guessing again, I think they take Levis over Richardson. Richardson is the, he may have great upside and he's got that Justin Fields type athleticism, Mm -hmm. but he's the farthest away from being ready to play. You know, he's raw. uh, One year as a starter, Low completion percentage, a uh, lot of upside, and and again, you get the guy into a room, and, and you get him on the board, just get to know the guy. A lot of that can change because then you're get you, you know you can create a feel good for the player, and we can sit here and BS all we want. We don't have that opportunity, mm-hmm. you know. So, um, but they're going to make the best decision for them. Um, you know, with, with Seattle, if, if there's another quarterback there, if, if Houston passes, Seattle could take a quarterback. Um, in which case, and I keep saying, I've seen a lot of Jalen Carter to Detroit at six. Mm-hmm. Jalen Carter right now is the, the wild card. <coughs> Excuse me. Mm-hmm. <coughs> he, you've got to get a feel good for him. And since the season ended, there hadn't been a lot of opportunities to have a feel good. Uh, it doesn't work out at the combine. He's got to leave the combine early to take a private jet back to Athens to get charged with two misdemeanors. He ends up pleading no contest on those things, pays a fine, got to do, I don't know how many hours of community service, a hundred hours of community service or something. Right. Correct. And, and then, um, immediately gets back on a plane, gets back to Indy to face the music, which I thought was good on his part. But then it's a few weeks later and he's, um, you know, he, he's not ready to work out at the pro day. He's, he's out of shape. He gained nine pounds since Indy. And, and to be fair, the next day was the court case. So you got to, 21, 22-year-old kid who's thinking about it. Is my ass going to jail or whatever? (laughs) Exactly. And and not necessarily thinking about uh, his pro day. So teams are bringing him in. Some teams may go in and try to do a private workout. Um, But you got to buy in. you got to make sure in your mind that the football character – is 
you know, above the line mm-hmm. that you're going to win with this guy. Cause right. you know, and, and especially the bears, you can't make a mistake. I don't care if you took him at number one or you take him at number nine, you cannot make a mistake. Agree. And so, you know, when you look at his play and does he, and you look at, you know, the pro day and, and some of the other stuff and it's like, does this guy really fit into the culture they're trying to build? And does he fit into the hits principle? Right. You know, so I, I, they got to decide that for themselves. We can say, yeah, I don't know, maybe, but that's Flus and Ryan Poles. They're going to make that decision. Right. And, and they're, you know, when they bring him in, they're going to sit down and they're going to talk to him and, He's going to leave the building, and they're going to go thumbs up. I mean, he's going to—he might not even hit the the uh, limo door yet before they already go thumbs up or thumbs down. Exactly. <laughs> you know, I've I, I've been in interviews like at the combine mm-hmm. and at, at Hallis Hall, where you know the guy leaves our Jerry and I used to interview guys together. You mm-hmm. know, the, the position coach would interview him. Uh, Lovey would interview him, the coordinator would interview him, and then he'd sit down in either my office or Jerry's office, and, and we'd talk to him for a half hour. Mm-hmm. And he'd leave the room and go to wherever he was going from there, and we had our minds made up, <laughs> you know, right away. You know, do you like this guy, you want him on your team, or you don't like him for whatever reason, you know, and, and that, that's, part, that's all part of the equation. And Greg, let me interrupt a second. If I can ask, have you ever interviewed a player who walked in the, into the door and there were stories, there was allegations that he was not very popular in the locker room, that some of the people down at the university did not like him. And if, if you did meet with a player like that, then how was the interview process with that particular player? Were you straight out and say, hey, why are we hearing this? Or what's the approach that you take for that? Because that's what Todd McShay was alluding to with Jalen Carter was that Carter was not popular with some well, of the Todd people. Todd McShay is wrong. He gets bad information more times than he gets good. Okay. Okay. I, I can't tell you how many times he's come out with stuff over the years that has been so wrong. But hey, that's who he is. Um, I can answer that question this way. Mm-hmm. You. You seldom answer, ask a question that you don't already know the answer to. <laughs> and so, cause you've done your research and I I'll give you an example. There was a player, a defensive end from a school. I'll just say it was in the East. It's as far as I'll go on that. Who had an arrest and we, and charges were still pending. Uh, we got the arrest report. We did a lot of research before the combine, uh, found out start of the police and some people that were at the scene. And then, you know, he comes into the room and we started talking, you know, tell us what happened that night. Well, his version of the story and what really happened were like, Total 180. Hmm. So 
you know, get done with that interview. He walks out the door and say, this is the last time we're going to see his ass again. Cause <laughs> he, he wasn't honest. You know, uh, so, and, and, you know, I tell kids when I was making school calls and, and like at the all-star games and stuff, I go, Hey, look, at, we know a lot more than you think we know. So you better be honest because if we catch you in a lie, it's all over. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it might not be all over with the Kansas city chiefs or the Minnesota Vikings or whatever, but it's all over for us. And if you could afford that to happen, so be it, but just be honest. Right. Right. My good friend Nomad says he keeps telling people that the culture down in Athens is horrible. Some of the behaviors are attributed to enabling uh, that kind of uh, bad behavior. Uh, you have had a lot of interactions with people down in Georgia. Uh, you want to respond to that in any way? Yeah, I, I think in a lot of these big schools, there's some enabling going on. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there comes a time and a place when a kid's got to uh, be held accountable. Mm-hmm. He knows the difference between right and wrong. And if he's like Saban the other day, I loved what Saban did the other day. There is no such thing as the wrong place at the wrong time. Okay. You know, and when he, when he had a a five-star freshman who was an early enrollee who got busted down in Florida, he was from Florida and he suspended him. Didn't Mm -hmm. kick him off the team yet. He suspended him until they, they get all the, the stuff, but it had to, there, there was drugs in the car and there was enough drugs in the car to assume that the guy, you know, the two people in the car, one was a player, one was a friend that, you know, maybe they're dealing. And, uh, you know, so, and, and part of it might've been a shot at the basketball coach because of what happened in their situation, but he came right out, you know, we suspended and he goes, I, I don't want to hear this. Always oh, in the wrong place at the wrong time. He goes, that doesn't happen. That's not reality. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's get back to this Daniel Jeremiah uh, mock draft. Uh, so the Seahawks, uh, according to Jeremiah's mock, are satisfied with the Jalen Carter interview process, and he's provided the right answers. And so now the Detroit Lions are on the clock, and they go to Illinois and pick Devon Witherspoon at number six. Got anything to uh, share with us about that potential pick? I, I, you know, I think as corners go, uh, there's three guys at the top of the board. There's Gonzalez from Oregon. You've got Porter from Penn State, and you've got Devin Witherspoon from Illinois. Devin has not worked out yet. I believe he is working out next week or the week after. Mm-hmm. I know it's in the month of April. Um, that will have some bearing on uh, where he goes. It, you know, it depends what you're looking for at the position, what you're asking the corners to do, what's your main coverage. Like if you're going to be a predominantly press covered team, well, mm-hmm. you, you know, Porter from, from Penn State might be your guy because that's all he does, you know, and he's a real, real good press cover guy. So, you know, just because 
Daniel has guys ranked a certain way or Mel Kuyper has guys ranked a certain way, that does not mean the team has absolutely the guys that because the team is <clears throat> is a lot of the way or reason they rank guys in certain places is because they are or aren't scheme fits. If they aren't scheme fits, they're not even on the board. Right. You know, so it's like out of sight, out of mind. But right. <laughs> so my, my guess, go ahead, please. I don't want to remember. But I, I was going to say, you know, mm. for the purpose of this, I mean, I don't really care what, what, what Daniel has there. Reality is you're sitting at nine. If they in fact stay at nine, Okay, so you're going to be looking at maybe Tyree Wilson. Well, why could Tyree Wilson maybe be there? Well, because the doctor came out the other day and said, well, I took the hardware out. He's good to go. Well, my experience with doctors making public statements is he ain't good to go. <laughs> you know, and this is not one time or two times. This is several times. When somebody's got to say something publicly, that means there's been bad news beforehand that the agent's trying to throw yep. to the side. Exactly. Now, could not Dr. Anderson, who performed the surgery down in um, Charlotte, is very, very good. And mm -hmm. in fact, when I tore my Achilles, it was recommended to me to hop on a flight and go down there and have him do my Achilles, but I didn't. I had uh, a guy here do it. Um, but it, it's it's just odd that you see a doctor make a public statement like that a month before the draft because usually that means when he had his medical three, what was the combine now? Three weeks ago? Well, no, it was almost four weeks ago. Yeah. There was, um, there, there might have been some negativism when they did the MRI and, and the x ray. Because here's what happened he had, he had foot surgery, I think it was the fifth metatarsal. And usually you put a screw in, in there and, and get it back together. Uh, I think he had the surgery in November. And so they're going to do an MRI of the foot, they're going to do an x ray of the foot. They want to see how the surgery is, they want to see how the the bone is, is coming together. The, the, is it calcifying, et cetera, and going to be solid? Well, and, and granted, I am throwing darts at the wall here because I haven't seen the x-rays. I don't know. But I just go on my experience, and my experience says, when doctors say something, they're covering up something. Mm -hmm. You know, you know mm -hmm. it, it, it's like it happens a lot. <laughs> yep. And so um, it's like almost every year when you start mm -hmm. seeing – the doctor who performed the surgery right. say something positive about it. Somebody else has a negative yep. and the yep. agent wants to overcome it. Is it the fact? I don't know. The only thing that's important concerning the bears is how do the bears feel about it? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the, the bears orthopedics would have looked at it. And then they've got a foot specialist here, and that's the guy who did my foot. They would have had him look at it, and uh, and he's very very good. He's nationally renowned. So, and then you know they come up with a prognosis. Yeah, he'll be good to go for OTAs or whatever, or be good to go for camp. Shouldn't be a problem. Or there's going to be 
you know, something going on and, and we're going to pass on them. We don't know the, know how you find out the answer. If he's sitting there and they draft him. Exactly. Uh, you know, that's, that's the only way to find out because nobody's going to say anything public. Right. Now I, I can find out, you know, there's a couple people I can call in the days leading up to the draft. And I always wait until the last week. Mm -hmm. uh, and I just say, Hey, is there anybody who I should be concerned about medically that they're going to fall because of that? And usually I get pretty good answers. Mm -hmm. This guy, this guy, and this guy have, have some concerns. And so they may fall. Now, the other interesting part about this is medical evaluations are just like talent evaluations. Mm -hmm. One doc, one team, one doctor may pass in, another team, another doctor may flunk you. Right. And right. a lot of it has to do with their experience with that particular injury. Mm -hmm. So just because team A flunked a guy doesn't mean team B did. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, uh, this is, uh, by the way, somebody earlier uh, wrote in the comments, and who was that? Oh, here it is. Free Palestine says, Greg, you should make a book about your career. It would be a good read. I would buy it. And one of the chapters, or maybe more than one chapter, has to be on all of this subterfuge and, and espionage that goes on behind the scenes, agents planting stories, uh, uh, general managers hinting at things so they can get things public, all of these machinations that happen behind the scenes to sway other people's thinking and maybe have a player drop down, maybe have a player uh, a lot of times, a lot of times it doesn't happen, but at least you got to try. You know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Got to give it a shot, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, but, well, I lost my thing here. How about though, I, I tweeted out something really 10 minutes before we started. I said, used to be the lying season was team officials, lying, stretching the truth, planning a story with the media, or lying to one another pro days or, you know, whatever. Team A lies to scout from Team A, lies to, uh, lies to scout from Team B, team B and, and things get, you know, scouts talk, so it gets spread around. But now it's like asshole A on Twitter just – totally makes up stuff mm -hmm. and it turns into rumor and it like turns into, well, it might be real, right. you know? And it's like so ridiculous because none of it's true. Mm -hmm. Indeed. All right. Let's get back to a little exercise here. So uh, Tyree Wilson, who uh, in my mind, if he was available at nine would be the bear's choice, but who knows what's going to happen. I, you know, I don't know. I mean, it depends on the medical. But right. I, here's what I got. You know, if Jalen Carter's there, he's going to be in the discussion. But the reality is that decision is going to be made long before the draft. Mm -hmm. It's like they're not – and the same with Tyree Wilson. If there is an issue with Tyree Wilson's foot mm -hmm. and the surgery he had, that decision isn't going to be made on April 27th. Right. right. That decision is going to be made two or three weeks from now. Exactly. You know, when they – when they go through that area of when they're going through the, you know, 
restacking it and setting the defensive line board. Mm-hmm. And, you know, w- when they get done doing all the work they have to do on Jalen Carter, they'll make a decision. If he's there, mm-hmm. we may pull the trigger. He may very well be in the discussion. So, mm-hmm. but I think, you know, reality is when you get to nine and you look what now things could change in, in the next month with acquisitions, trades, whatever. Um, they, they have no right tackle on the team, unless you want to say, you know, Larry Borm's the right tackle, but Larry Borm has, has failed at right tackle. And so was Leatherwood. Mm-hmm. So, they don't have a right tackle and drafting tackles is usually pretty good business. It is, you know, if it, you know uh, most of them work out, uh, Leatherwood didn't work out in, in Oakland, but for the most part they did. And there's a real good chance that they're going to get the first or second and probably the first, tackle have the opportunity not get have the opportunity to select just the way you know like dj had his board going and and every other mock you look at you don't see an offensive lineman going before the bears selected nine right so there's that opportunity and then it's like okay who are the best tackles the two best tackles are are paris johnson and broderick jones okay now it's okay who fits what we want better. Well, from the, let's talk Paris Johnson first. Uh, really good. Only played one year at left tackle. That was this year. Played really, really well. Mm-hmm. The year before, Nicholas Petit Ferrer, is that how you say his name? He was the left tackle. Paris yeah. Johnson started every game at right guard. And the year before, as a true freshman, he was a backup at right guard and right tackle. Mm-hmm. And, and and got play time, but not a starter. But he, he started every game the last two years. Right guard last year, left tackle this year. So you know he's already played on the right side. It's not going to be an issue for him. Even mm-hmm. though it was inside, it, it still he played with his right hand down, his right, his right foot back, was able to get out of the stance and everything else. So And you know he's a good player, and he's a guy, he's a plug-and-play guy. He's going to come in and play. So would it be a good pick? Yeah, it'd be an excellent pick. Then you got Broderick Jones, who, you know, it was funny during the when you looked at the the Georgia media guide, mm-hmm. they had him listed at like 6'4, 310, 308, something like that. And so, you know, usually media guys are exaggerated a little bit. So you see 6'4, and you go, is he really 6'3 and a half? You know, mm-hmm. and and so in his case, I, I was kind of anxious for him to, to get to the combine to see what his actual height and arm length was. And it turns out it was understated instead of overstated. It was six, five and a quarter. And he's got like 34 and a half inch arms. So he's got plenty of length, plenty of height. He is, he's only been a one year starter, his third year in school. Um, redshirted his first year, and during that redshirt year, he was actually he did get in some games, but you can play a limited number of games as a redshirt. You don't lose your eligibility. Mm-hmm. Um, 
played on the right side. So he's a right tackle, got into some games at right tackle. Last year, 2021, started off the season as the backup left tackle was kind of in a rotation with the other guy. And then the last four or five games of the season, he became the starter, started every game this year. He is, I think, more athletic. He ran under five flat. He's more athletic than Paris. Um, I don't know if he's benched yet, but Paris did 29 reps, and for a guy with 36 arms, 29 reps is really, really good. But Broderick Jones plays a nasty freaking game. Mm-hmm. Um, He's got great feet. I think he's a natural left tackle. If you took him, what I'm trying to say is, strictly my opinion, he might have a tad better upside. Mm -hmm. You know, really, it's flip a coin. Who do you like better? Mm -hmm. Uh, You know that, that... Paris can play on the right side, so you could plug him in at right tackle and you're good to go. If you took Roderick Jones, do you plug him at left tackle and move Braxton Jones? And then you're going to have two BR Jones playing tackle. Um, and <laughs> so, how are they going to do that on the jersey? Uh, so, you know, one, one of them's going to have to move. Who it is, you know, that's, that's going to be up to the coaching staff, but it helps the offense. Regardless, it helps the offense and it helps Justin Fields. Mm -hmm. And and then you look at it from a cap standpoint, you got your two starting tackles are on rookie contracts. Outstanding. Okay. So from that point of view, it's really a strong idea. Now you got a defensive head coach. Before before you, uh, uh, Greg, before you move on to the defense, uh, Daniel Jeremiah mocked Peter Skoronsky of Northwestern to the Bears at right tackle. Comment on that, please. Not going to happen. I, didn't, I, didn't, I knew you were going to say that. That's why I wanted to hear it. <laughs> He's got 32 and a quarter inch arms. Peter, I am not belittling Peter Skoronsky. He is going to be an all-pro guard. Yep. And he's going to be just like Zach Martin with the Cowboys, who was a left tackle at Notre Dame at 32 and a half inch arms. Dallas immediately moved him into left guard. He's become one of the, the best guards in the business. And it's not the first time this has ever happened. Guys are great tackles, but just don't have the length to play tackle in the NFL. Get moved inside and they play really, really good inside. Uh, you go back years ago, uh, Roger Saffold, who is now, you know, he came into the league, I think, with the, the Rams or somebody, and then he was bouncing back and forth with some other teams. But he played tackle in college, then played tackle like one year in the league, and then got moved inside and became a really good player inside. Liam Eikenberg, another Notre Dame player, who was a three-year starter at left tackle. Another guy, he had 32-and-a-half-inch arms. Miami drafts him. He had to play a couple games at tackle because of injury. But they moved him into guard right away, and he's their, their, their left guard. 
Teams do not want to play short arm guys outside. They lose the leverage. I mean, mm-hmm. and I, I keep going back and it's a real simple statement. There's a reason why they do the measurement. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> if it didn't mean anything, they wouldn't do it. Exactly. One other uh, subject uh, or what their topic regarding this issue of drafting an offensive lineman is the Bears could potentially look at Tevin Jenkins at the right tackle position, which I, would, I think they've they, already moved on from that. They really? did last year. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that moved him inside and he turned out to be like a bear inside. Yes. Absolutely. No, pun, no pun intended. Yeah. And uh, so it, it's like, no, why, why are we going to mess with him some more? And, and he, he's in a very comfortable level for him. He's an ascending career. You know, he, he, he's probably one of the most physical run blockers playing that position in the league. So let him just grow. Why, why fuck with him? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, and that's, that's a, 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 an opinion held by many, uh, but the, but, he might be the best right tackle on the roster if the Bears bypass a right tackle in the first or second round. Uh, yeah, and, and then you'd have to if – if they did that. I can't see that happening. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say they're going to do it at number nine. Mm-hmm. But – and I, I came up with a couple different scenarios here, so let's work our way through this. Excellent. So to get back to what where I was going to on defense, okay, he got defensive head coach. According to DJ's uh, mock, there's one defensive back off the board. You see a lot that n- no defensive backs have come off the board. Mm-hmm. Just like they're looking at the first tackle, they very well could be looking at the at the first corner. And again, it doesn't matter what the analysts say is is the first corner, second corner, third corner matters who the bears have, you know, as far as they're selecting. So could they theoretically take a corner? Yeah. If it, if, especially if they've got him in an area where, you know, they say he's a can't miss, you know, a blue. Mm-hmm. And, and so that could happen. And then the other scenario is trading down. Right. And okay, so you, you and when you trade down, you're not just trading down because you want to accumulate more picks or whatever. You're trying to we used to play this game when I was there. Jerry and I would spend hours in his office looking at packages. Okay, if we stay here we're probably going to be looking at this guy or this guy. And we're going to take this guy first. And then so you put that guy up on the board. But now let's trade down. Who are we looking at? Okay, so then you come up and you go, we could be looking at this guy, this guy, and this guy. So pull the card that you like the best out of those, put them over. And if you trade down to such an area that, where are you going to be sitting for that next pick that you're getting back? Who can I get with that pick? It's not just getting a pick. It's who can I get with the pick? Mm-hmm. And so then it's like, okay, wait a minute. What's better for us? 
taken a little better player at one or the combination of player A and player B that I'm getting with the trade. Excellent. Okay. Okay. So that's how you look at these things, you know, sure. and so you've got to, and you play these things out. You don't, you don't just, you know, Thursday night at the draft, come up there and yeah, let's trade. You've already discussed it mm -hmm. early and you've let teams know beforehand. And generally speaking, where they're picking at nine, like I, I'd be, I'd be totally shocked. <coughs> Excuse me. If Ryan Poles traded number nine this week at the owners' meetings, mm -hmm. I mean that would and watch it'll happen. At, <laughs> the, 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 it's just because the people trading up are trading up for a specific person, mm -hmm. and you don't know if that person's going to be there. Yeah, and, right. you know until you get to the night of the draft. So, I, you know, I can't see that one happening, but. Here, I came up with a couple just playing around. Okay. And it's not only what I was trying to do is being, in, I, I personally, I love the top half of the second round. I think there's some really good football players in there. Mm -hmm. Right now, Bears aren't sitting there. Right. So, you know, they're on the, the bottom third of the, of the two picks in the bottom third of the second round. So how can you do that and come up with some pretty good picks? Well, here's one. And you move from nine to 13. Mm -hmm. Okay. With, which is the jets. Okay. Okay. And it's the jets at 13 is worth 1150 points. The bears at nine is worth 1350 points. So you got a 200 point gap. Well, the Jets are sitting with twos, twos, 42 and 43. The Bears' first two is 53 or 54, and the other one's 61. So don't get another pick. Just swap the twos. Mm -hmm. Give me 42 and 43. You can have 51 and 60 or 53 and 61. Mm -hmm. It works out on the chart. Yep. Um, very, very close to working out. And now you're in better position to get better players. And you still might get one of these top players at 13. Yep. Exactly. Okay. So, you know, or if you don't, you know, maybe you're looking at a, uh, you're looking at the next tackle. Well, who's the next tackle? I, you know, I don't know who their next tackle could be. Could be Anton Harrison from Oklahoma. That's still Just... a slouch now. Okay. <laughs> it, it could be if, if Wright passes you know, Wright's a hell of a player. Just as he a fit, if he if they assume he's a fit, they say we're good with him. Okay, mm -hmm. then he, you know he could possibly come into the equation there, or you could go to a guy that played defensive end in, in college, but he's going to be a three here, and that's Keon White from Georgia Tech, mm -hmm. who hell of a football player, and. He's 6'5", 285 pounds. He runs a 4'7". You know, he's got three technique written all over him, and he's going to be a damn good one. You know, so there's your that, that's your option. But now you're getting in, you've got, you know, like the 10th and 11th pick in the 7th round instead of way down 
now you you got a chance of getting two really good players in yep. the second. And, you know, you could, you know, maybe Matthew Bergeron is still sitting there just to throw a name out. I love Matthew Bergeron. Big tackle from Syracuse, left tackle from Syracuse. Mm-hmm. Nasty run blocker. Uh, he, give you a little background, he's from Quebec, so he played all his high school football uh, in Canada. So he comes to the States, to Syracuse. He's a little bit raw, but, you know, he he's just getting it. And he's a highly intelligent kid who's best footballs in front of him. I, mean, I, I wouldn't hesitate to take a guy like that if he's staring me in the face. But the other trade I looked at, and this one works too. And, and there'd have to be one other part of it to, to make it work total mathematically is Pittsburgh's at 17. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you're dropping down from nine to 17 and now the gap is 400 points. Hmm. So right away, I'm saying I'm taking that pick at 61, the low second. Mm-hmm. Pittsburgh's got two two seconds also. Because their of the first, district. Their first second is the first pick in the round. Right. It's an, an, actually a first-round pick because it's the th- there's only 31 picks in the first round this year. It's right. the 32nd pick. Right. That's a no-brainer. Theoretically, you could do it. You'd have to give a little something back to Pittsburgh. Get Pitts, both the Pittsburgh seconds, give them both of our seconds. But you could also do a thing where, you know, you could go into a later move up a little bit in some of the later rounds. Okay. Like your first, fourth round pick, move up to, to their pick in the third round. And uh, now some people don't want to give up that first pick in the fourth round because it's worth a ton. Mm-hmm. And why is it that? Well, because the beginning of day three, and you've had all night to reset your board, look and say, oh, these are the guys we want. You get a million calls if you got a top three or four pick in the fourth round for people who want those picks. Mm. You know, so they have, they actually carry a little bit of a premium because right. people want them so bad. Okay. But two uh, very intriguing trade scenarios and something that I can see. And and just getting back to if we were to allow for Daniel Jeremiah's mock to have some validity, you know, I listed the three offensive linemen who would be available at nine, Paris Johnson, Broderick Jones, Peter Skaronsky. And there are three defensive linemen who would still be available, Miles Murphy, Keon White, and this. I lost you. Uh, and I understand the Bears big board probably has no similarity whatsoever, but Nolan Smith, Keon White, Miles Murphy are the three defensive linemen that would be available at nine. I ask you, do you think any one of those guys on the defensive line are is is worthy of the nine, number nine overall pick? Not in my opinion. And, yeah, I don't think so either. And I'm, I'm not a big – I like Murphy. I'm not going to take anything away from him. Mm-hmm. But he is not the pass rusher that you'd want to take at the ninth pick. Mm-hmm. Just look at the numbers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the guy who went first last year, 
from Georgia had a great workout mm-hmm. and Jacksonville went goo goo gaga over him because of that great workout. <laughs> you know how many sacks he had this year? <laughs> One, two. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it, it's <laughs> you better get a guy that makes sacks in college. Yeah, that's a good good idea. Okay. And, <laughs> a little, little experience. <laughs> you know, so I I think that Murphy is a hell of a run defender. Uh, he might grow into a, a real good pass rusher, mm-hmm. but he isn't right now. Yeah. Keon White, I think you're you're stretching a little bit to take him at nine. Uh but like at 13. Mm-hmm. He'd be a serious part of the conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, same with 17. He'd be a real serious part of the conversation. Um, Nolan Smith is is kind of a unique guy because of his speed. But his num- he doesn't have numbers either. I think he's got five sacks or something. Now, he missed part of the year. So mm-hmm. we got to be fair. Right. He also doesn't have the length that they prefer, you know, flus and poles both preach length, length, length. You've got 32 and a half inch arms, 32 and five eighths inch arms, something like that. Um, but he's also real fast. He's a four, four guy. So the name that comes to mind, if you want to do a comp is Micah Parsons, but mm-hmm. Micah Parsons is used as kind of like a hybrid guy. You know, he's used up on his feet as an off-the-ball linebacker on base downs, and then he's rushing a passer on passing downs. But he has proven that even though he does and he's got, like, less than 32-inch arms, uh, he's proven that he is an excellent pass rusher. So he's the exception. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's an excellent pass rusher at the NFL level. So, yeah, Nolan Smith, interesting guy. Uh, undersized, you're only about 235, 238. You know, part of it is is does your your strength and conditioning staff feel that he's got the frame to get to 250, and not necessarily 250 this year, but say 250 by the the 24 season. Yeah. And uh, because you don't want to put bad weight on a guy, you want to put good weight on. Him. And let me add, let me add another name uh, to that okay. list, uh, Lucas Van Ness, because a lot of people in the chat are saying if he's there at nine, are asking if, if he's there at nine. Well, <laughs> I, I cannot answer that question on the problems of any incriminating. <laughs> All right, let's move on. <laughs> uh, okay, so got a ton of questions here that we need to address. Uh, I. Highlighted twenty, so we'll get through as many as. That's called plead the Fifth Amendment. Yeah, you just pleaded the Fifth. I, I pleaded the Fifth <laughs> on the rights that, uh, on the basis it might incriminate you. Indeed, <laughs> our good uh, friend Creighton uh, asks. Uh, I know that this is a fan-driven rumor, but have you heard anything about Jeffrey Simmons, the defensive lineman in Tennessee? Uh, it's just what I was referring to when I had that tweet. Okay, in <laughs> nowhere. Come on, <laughs> that's some out of somebody's somebody's imagination. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and so you know, and I guess Rand Carthon said, you know, we're we're in rebuild mode. So, oh, okay, that means you're giving away your best player. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Come on, 
That's crazy. <laughs> um, I know uh, Habarkish is a friend, but uh, sometimes you don't always like his takes on things, and I got a feeling you're not going to like this one. Habarkish just said that he would take Bijan Robinson with the ninth overall pick. You got a message for him? <laughs> I'll be nice. I'll be nice. Ain't taking a running back with a ninth pick. You don't take a one contract player. <laughs> now let me let, let me get into this a little deeper, please. Okay, if the Bears were a team that was one player away from being a legitimate Super Bowl contender or perhaps winning a Super Bowl, and that player might be a running back, and you're sitting at nine, well, okay, you might do it then because he could be the guy that gets you over the hump. The Bears aren't anywhere close to that, and and being that he is a running back, who knows what his career is going to be like. First of all, I don't dislike Bijan. I like him a lot. But he ain't no Saquon Barkley coming out. Mm-hmm. There's not even they're not even close. Saquon Barkley was so this guy's a four five. Saquon Barkley was a four three. Big difference. Okay, and I, you know, to me, the difference between Saquon coming out of Penn State and Bijan Robinson is totally night and day. I think this class has got some great running backs in it. But I'll get back and and yeah, we, we 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 when I was here, we took a running back with the fourth pick in the in the draft. But back then, the game was different. Three running backs went in the top five. That doesn't happen anymore. Running backs do not have value. They're considered, for the most part, to be one contract players. And you're going to tell me you're going to take a one contract player with the ninth pick in the draft? Mm-hmm. No. I mean, does that make any sense at all? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I'm surprised Hub feels that way. Um, but sometimes these, you know, uh, ways of building teams stick with you for a lifetime. And and uh, you just signed a guy who ran for 900 and some odd yards and didn't play much the first five games because they had Christian McCaffrey. Mm-hmm. So what were his what would his numbers have been? Had he had the whole season as the number one guy? Indeed. Indeed. J2K asks, how big is the drop-off from Paris and Broderick to Wright and Harrison? If you could get a second-round pick, would you trade back and still expect to get one of these top four offensive tackles, according to J2K? Well, I, I right away I take Harrison over Wright every day of the week mm-hmm. uh, because I'm not – I'm, I'm getting there. I'm just not totally sold that he can do what the tackles are being asked to do. Yeah. In this his, offense. So his, go ahead. I was say? just going to say his workouts and uh, our good friend uh, runs something called Raz relative athletic scores. His numbers were really, really good. I'm talking about uh, Darnell Wright. Yeah. But he hasn't done the agilities yet. Yeah. yeah. He ran a 40. That's it. Okay. Okay, so he might have jumped, but he 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 uh, he ran a he ran a good forty, but mm-hmm. that's straight line. Okay, what they're being asked to do, and you watch him, he get, he gets a little tall, 
Mm-hmm. He's strong. He's a nasty run blocker. But can he get out into space and do what he's being asked to do? And I've got questions on it. I'm, I'm leaning towards, yeah, like I say, he's a, a vanilla to me. Mm-hmm. You can get by with him. I know Harrison can. I've seen him do it. Yes, on the left side. The only negative you get with Anton Harrison is that he's always been a left tackle. He's never played on the right side. So it's can he play on the right side or do you put Braxton Jones on the right side? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, great question here that I was going to ask you. What is going on with Yannick and Dukeway? Why has nobody signed him yet? And do you think that there's still a chance he might come to the Chicago Bears? Or does Eberflus dislike his run-stopping ability so much that he's taken him off the board as a possibility to sign? Well, number one, he's never played for Flus. Oh, he that's right. one, He only played one year in Indy. My bad. Okay, he played at Jacksonville. He's played at four teams. I think he's been Jacksonville, Minnesota, the Raiders, mm-hmm. and now the Colts. He can rush the passer. Mm-hmm. I um, I don't think he's necessarily a detriment as a run defender, but it sure as hell not a strength. Yeah. Uh, he made – you could probably look it up, but I'm going to say $8 million last year on a one-year deal. That sounds Somewhere, right. Somewhere around in there. Um, nobody keeps this guy around. Yeah. Uh, now, in fairness, he signed a two-year deal with the Raiders. They caught right. him after one because um, they were going to run a different type of scheme, and he wasn't going to be a fit within that scheme. Okay, he's only – he might be 250. He's listed at 245. But mm-hmm. he can rush the passer. I think as we're talking at the beginning of the show, uh, there's three guys. Mm-hmm. There's Sweat from Jacksonville. There's our old friend Leonard Floyd. <laughs> and there's this guy. And all three are available. And somebody's going to say, well, Floyd's an outside linebacker. Yeah, but. Floyd is, if, if you watch the way he played with the Rams, he was up on the line of scrimmage a lot, very rarely in a three-point stance. Um, but he had a two-gap a tight end, sometimes two-gap a tackle. He can play within this scheme. And I talked to a guy who works for the Rams, and he said the same thing. And he goes, more than anything, he's a football player. Now, here's the good news. Bad news is he's 31 years old when the season starts. And to date, Poles doesn't like going with guys on the north side of 30. With Leonard Floyd, now this is, to me, this is an incredible stat. He's not missed a game in five years. Amazing. And not only has he not missed a game in five years, but in his three years in L.A., he's played about 85% of the snaps. That's how bitch never comes off the field. That's great, yeah. Okay, so, and he's had 29 and a half sacks the last three years. So, 
if it's me, I'm, I, I try to get him in a heartbeat. Um, cause I know he can, he can play left side or right side. I know he can rush the passer. I know he can defend the run. He just watches tape and he, if you're going to say, does he play to the hits principle thing? And, and you're going to say, absolutely. Because he hustles every single play. Mm-hmm. Um, so now I think, no, it is, it's money. Yeah. Okay. Maybe he wants a multi-year deal. Um, I mean, he, he didn't walk away from LA, a poor guy. That's for damn sure. <laughs> uh, you know, cause he, he got a four year deal, I believe with a pretty good signing bonus and they took a hit pretty good chunk of change on the hit, like, like over 10 million, I think to mm-hmm. let him go. So, but I, it's with all these positions. They're waiting for the price to get to where they want the price to be, and then they'll make a move. So, but and, and like I said, I think there's three guys that could play: Ngakwe, Leonard Floyd, and, and the guy from Jacksonville, Sweat or Sweet, went to Illinois. Um, I wouldn't be a bit surprised if one of them ends up being a bear. I don't, and I think one more inside guy is going to get signed. Mm. Uh, so who they are, I don't know. But a- after those three, I don't see much as far as um, availability on the outside. And, and, and if they don't, you're going to be drafting a bunch of edge guys. Yeah. And, and it's, it's one of those drafts where you could potentially find the gem in the second, third round. But boy, oh boy, I wouldn't mind bringing in a veteran. By the way, uh, Nomad, I saw your tweet yesterday about Yaya Diaby. And, and Nomad says that he thinks Yaya's skill set and measurables are eerily similar to a player you know well, Bruce uh, Smith. I'm not going to agree. Bruce Smith was close to 300 pounds when he came out and then got down to um, – Problem with Bruce Smith is he was a little lazy and he was heavy. Mm-hmm. And when his first year in Buffalo, he probably was about 295 to 300. And then he really bought into Rusty Jones was a strength coach that later became ours. Bought into uh, Rusty's program, got down to 265, 270. He was 6'3 and very, very explosive. That man was a – Bruce Smith was a Stairmaster freak. Mm-hmm. He would spend hours on a Stairmaster. And, you know, his, his cardiovascular conditioning was unreal. And he still looks great. Mm. I mean, he's got to be getting close to 60. And he looks like he can line up and play right now. Oh, well, we need him. <laughs> Give him a call. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, Sam, oh, well, we answered that. So Foster wants to know, why do we target a center with four competing at that position. Do we add a Weppler? He is athletic. And there, this is a gr- very good draft for centers. I know you and uh, Dane Brugler disagreed on that a bit, but I, I'm with you. This is a good draft for centers. Should we target one? You might not find an all-pro guy, but you're going to find guys who are going to come in and start and be damn good players. Better than what we had with Mustafa. Yeah, uh, you know, Owen Crutch was a third-round pick. Mm-hmm. And, and then uh, the guy in um, Philly was a fifth or sixth, mm-hmm. and he's going to the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. You know, so and and Olin should go to the Hall of Fame. The 
God is starting to grow on me. Did I write him up again yet? <clears throat> no, I still got to do it. The uh, I did write him up before, but I, I'm bringing him up. It's a kid from Arkansas. Okay. Um, good football player. Good, oh, and gosh. he's coming in. He's coming in on a visit. Look good. Uh, Stromberg, Ricky Stromberg. Yes. Yeah. yes. Another good player that player. Nomad likes. And, and he could play guard. So he's got the athleticism to uh, play either or. Mm-hmm. So as a, if he's not starting, but I know you know they they want to move Cody there, and basically have Cody and Patrick battle it out, mm-hmm. and then they feel they've got uh, what do you say? Leonard Tom- Floyd is not a bust in Chicago. Let's get I that agree. Right. I agree with you. Leonard Floyd was, I'll be nice, screwed over by the administration. Okay. And he is, and, and, you know, Teddy Montego is a good friend of mine. He was on my staff, works for the Rams. Mm -hmm. And he'll, he'll go into his grave saying the guy that got them over the hump, remember we were talking about, just a few minutes ago, if you need one guy to get you over the hump to win a Super Bowl, mm-hmm. he said the guy that got them over the hump between on the field and in the locker room was Leonard Floyd. And that's why they won the Super Bowl a year ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, and I believe that. I mean, you know, I, I when Ryan Pace allowed him to leave, didn't pick up the fifth-year option, and he re- basically reneged because they said they were going to pick up the fifth-year option on Floyd, and then something happened and decided not to. I thought, wow, you've given up on this guy way too fast, way too fast. Uh, he he was drafted maybe higher than he should have been. You well, know, he, supposedly the Giants wanted him, and they jumped up in front of the Giants. I see. And Jerry Reese, who was the Giants' GM, at the time, and a good friend of mine, because we worked together in New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jerry's confirmed that to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I agree with Jeff here that Nagy and company sabotaged a lot of players. And whether they did it purposely or not, uh, who knows, but uh, they didn't do some players. But, you know, Len- Leonard is all, he's, he's just, he's a football player. And he mm-hmm. loves to play. Mm-hmm. And he plays hard. And, you know, whether... They developed his pass rush skills here the way they should mm-hmm. have. I don't know if I can answer that, but how come all of a sudden he becomes a hell of a freaking pass rusher and, you know, averages better than nine and a half sacks a year and three years out in L.A. playing linebacker? Mm-hmm. Indeed. Indeed. All right. A uh, few more questions before we get out of here. Let us go to Michael Henneman is asking who is most likely to get cut from the Bears. You know what, uh, Greg, the more and more I think about this, I believe that Cody Whitehair is is a strong possibility as a post June one cut. Any thoughts? I do not think so. Tell me why. Uh, number one's contract. Number two, um, what was the first name mentioned to me in a conversation? Mm-hmm. And so uh, just based on that, I'm going to say no. Okay. Um, but he said something about the end from Indy. He already got cut. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you're Al-Kadeem, talking about- Al-Kadeem Muhammad. He got cut weeks ago. Yeah, he's a gunner. 
Um, great question here from uh, Bear Truth Nine. He says, if a quarterback drops to our ninth slot, does the draft chart go out the window? Does it does it change the value of those numbers? Because I would think that it does. And that, that draft chart, based on the strength of a draft, is probably manipulated. Those value numbers might be manipulated. Not much, but, you know, 10, 15, 20 points, whatever it is, could be manipulated. Any thoughts well, on that? First of all, there's got to be a team below nine that hasn't already gotten in position to take a quarterback. I don't think that's going to happen. I think all four are going to go in the top five or Greg six. froze on me. I'm uh, not frozen on me. Okay. <laughs> go ahead. Uh, you know, I, I think they're all four gone in the top five or six. Mm-hmm. Uh, unless Richardson bombs his workout on Friday. Mm-hmm. Uh, and by the way, if people are wondering why is it, why was there such a gap between Richardson's workout being this Friday and the other three guys having it last week, like day one, day two, day three, one right after another, it's because mm-hmm. of the owners' meetings. The decision makers can't get there. Ah, okay. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So. Uh, that that schedule Friday, so you can have GMs and coaches there. Mm-hmm. Head coaches, GMs and head coaches, assistant coaches can go, but GMs and head coaches. Mm. Um, so sorry, I, I was interrupted briefly. I got another question regarding that value draft chart. When you were scouting director for the Chicago Bears, how much did you rely on that the, the draft value chart? Uh, well, Bobby Capallo was our pro guy, was the guy who took all the calls. Okay. Um, so, you know, you send out a thing a few days before mm-hmm. for trade calls, call so-and-so and mm-hmm. whatever. And uh, that's because, you know, like Jerry and I are always busy concentrating on, on the task at hand, which was the draft. Bobby's office was right next to ours. He just popped in, you know, Dallas is offering this and this, this for so-and-so pick. And we, and we talk about it. Now, the one year where we went into the draft wanting to trade, uh, and that was in, in 2006 when we took Devin, you know, we let it known, we let it out that we were willing to move down. And we had, God, at, at the end, we had about four teams bidding and, and, uh, we probably had seven, eight calls for that pick. Um, so then it was is kind of hectic because you're trying to because it's coming in so fast mm-hmm. that you're trying to okay, which one's the best deal? And you try, and, and you got to think fast, you know. So mm-hmm. uh, and we, we weren't quite on the clock yet, but you still got to you know you get into the second round, you don't have as much time on the clock as you do in the first round, and so. You know, you, you got to be prepared. That's why you want to get this stuff done beforehand. But that pick turned out to be a hot pick for us. And and, and uh, there were a lot of teams that wanted it. Mm-hmm. Um, next question. What happened to Will Levis in his pro day? We're getting a lot of questions regarding that quarterback. Mr. Shorty says, what do you think about Levis after his pro day? What was wrong with his pro day? Uh, I thought it was great. You thought it was great? Yeah. Okay. 
I, I watched all of them. I, I saw nothing other than a couple of his receivers couldn't catch a cold in winter. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's not his fault. <laughs> um, catch a cold in winter. He's, I'll tell you, there's a a play on on Will Levis that nobody talks about, mm-hmm. and is very very important in his development. And that is in 21. He had a very good supporting cast. Mm-hmm. Okay, he had a, a receiver that's now playing for the Giants. He had a couple linemen that are playing in the league. They had a good running back. The offense as a whole was pretty darn good. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this year, defensive line had to be the worst in the SEC. Mm. It was awful. He had no receivers, young receivers. Now, here's the big part. In 21, the offensive coordinator was a guy by the name of Liam Cohn, mm-hmm. who had come from the Rams. And he was bringing that system similar to, to what the Bears have, but more simplified to Kentucky. And Lovis put up some big numbers. Mm-hmm. Okay. The end of last, at the end of the 21 season, Levis goes back to the Rams. Mm-hmm. And so now they, they elevated a guy to, to OC. He couldn't handle it. He got fired. And guess who's back? Cohen's back oh, as the offensive coordinator. But that is a big part of his play during the year mm-hmm. was not only losing good people around him, but losing his coach, <laughs> who's a damn good coach. And so, you know, it, it's it's all part of doing, you know, the research on the player. Mm-hmm. about finding the, the the whys and ifs and everything else. And so his the guys a lot of people that I talk to compare him to is Josh Allen. In that excuse me, he's not as polished as Stroud or Young. Mm-hmm. But he's got that bazooka arm. He's got more athleticism than either one of them. Mm-hmm. He's big and strong. You know, he's like 235 pounds. I mean, this guy's put together. And that he could be in the long run, if everything, what I don't know is, you know, what goes on upstairs. Josh Allen had football character that was off the charts. I, I can't tell you that about what Levis because I don't know. But just looking at the, at the physical skills, he could be very well liked. It might take a you know, couple struggling years, mm-hmm. and then just take off. But you got to have, you know, let's just say Indy took him, yeah. you know, John, and it took him a three. Well, you got a you, you got a brand new head coach. He isn't going anywhere. <laughs> You've got he's got time to to work with this guy, and. Mm-hmm. He's the guy that that pretty much developed Jalen Hurts. And don't forget, Jalen Hurts was a second-round pick, and some people were laughing at Philly for taking Jalen Hurts in the second round. They didn't think he was a third. They thought he was a third or a fourth-round guy. Mm. 
Yeah, interesting. Well, and Mr. Shorty uh, defends himself by saying at his pro day, Levis, all his deep balls were behind the wide receiver. All his digs and posts were on the inside shoulder. His accuracy was terrible on his pro day. I disagree with that, but, you know, he, he can have his opinion. Beauty is on the eye of the beholder. All right, let's pick one last question here. Apologize to all the some of the questions we didn't get to. Um, let's see. Well, we can uh, do a couple more if, if you got them. But. Okay. Uh, uh, Colby Wooden of Auburn, have you had a chance to look at him? Uh, the other guy I look at a lot. Colby is a little more vanilla to me. Okay. I don't know him as well as Hall. I like Hall a lot. Okay. Um, what about uh, – McClendon Curtis, uh, Sam Rush describes him as the Braxton Jones of this draft. He's coming out of I have not done him. It's a good name to look for. McClendon Curtis. I will. Look Did he play in the senior bowl? Because Braxton Jones played in the senior bowl. Yeah, I don't think, I don't recall seeing a McClendon Curtis there. By the way, uh, Jaco, what's his name? Jacorian Bonds, the wide receiver wide receiver out of Hampton. I needed to do, to do some work on him because um, his name came to my attention and I looked at some uh, highlight reels. So, you know, I had was... done some stuff on him. He, he's electric. Yeah. Isn't he? Yeah, Cause yeah. He, he was at the Shrine Bowl game. Yeah. So you saw him up close. He's he's, but I did some stuff when I came back. He's, he's electric. Yeah. I don't remember if he was at the combine and, and uh, no, he wasn't. And, and so then you got to get the Hampton pro day and, you know, I get all that stuff. I usually get it today, mm-hmm. but the guy who gives it to me, is at the owner's meeting. So, you know, I, I, I sent him a text yesterday. I go, when you get a chance to send me a, an updated copy. And I didn't even hear back from him because I know he's busy. So, yeah. um, you know, I'll probably get it at the end of the week, which is fine as long as I get it. But I'll have, you know, I get it when it's all said and done. It's like a 1,300-page document, you know, with with all the uh, pro day information. Amazing. Amazing. Um, all right, let's see what else I got here. Uh, could uh, Broderick Jones from Georgia play the guard position? I'm not quite sure why Nick is asking that since we've got so much depth at the guard position, but I'm sure he can, right? He's got the athleticism. Yeah, but, I mean, I don't know why he'd want to. That guy, I, I, all he doesn't have is the elite. Well, how many games did that Georgia got to the national championship? So that's. 12, mm-hmm. 13, 14, that's 15. He's got 19 or 20 starts. Not like he hasn't played much, um, but he's got great feet, mm-hmm. and he is a nasty prick. Excuse my <laughs> I, I just like the way he plays, and I love Paris Jones. I mean, I just, I, they're, like I said earlier, it's flip a coin. Whoever uh-huh. fits what you want a little better. Paris Jones is real, real smart, even keeled. He's like an offensive lineman. This, and I don't know um, Jones from a from a hole in the wall, but just watching him play, he's got like a defensive lineman mentality. He mm-hmm. goes after you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw uh, Paris Johnson's 
interview at the combine and the, he he just impressed the hell out of me and i think it was greg braggs over at chgo asked him would you like to play with justin fields and he waxed about his relationship with justin and how much he'd love to block for him again and that they're good friends and, and stuff uh either one of those two tackles is who i want at the number nine pick for the bears or if you can trade down a little bit and still acquire one of those two guys because i've seen those guys go in the middle of the first round in a lot of drafts that would be outstanding um let's uh, pick this one for our final question actually i got two more nomad uh says call polls please greg call polls and tell him we need to draft Tuli or the city goes into civil unrest. I know you're a big fan of- No, I like Tully, but you don't take him in the first round. You take him in the second. That's why you need to trade up in that second, because he, he won't know, be I don't there. know, because he's kind of like a sweet- You know, it was listed in the media guy that he was 290. Mm-hmm. Okay, then he was like 258 or 262 or something at the combine. Mm-hmm. And I think he dropped weight to run faster- Mm-hmm. Uh, so that tells me what did he really play at during the season? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that's easy to find out. You go to the strength coach and the trainers at, at SC and mm-hmm. they're going to tell you, cause these guys weigh in every week. Uh, but no, I like him. I think he's a, I think he's a hell. He's not an outside guy. And it, first of all, his arm length isn't long enough. Uh, yeah. But he, he's a three technique or he's a five technique and in and, and that kind of scheme. But for the bears, he's a three. And I think a damn good one. Last question. Any scenario where you see the bears trading up? No. So if, for who? so if for instance, Will Anderson drops to five or six, do you see the bears maybe trading up two, three, four spots? No, I, 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 I think that ship sailed. Okay. When he when he made the trade, yeah, yeah, and uh, I I just think that you know when when you look at the gap between nine and fifty three, you say I want something in between there, mm-hmm. and so that tells me you know you're going to try to trade down or you're going to have to when you get into the second round you're going to have to be patient. And there's going to be a, you know, depending on who you take in the first round, mm-hmm. um, then you're going to have to be a little bit patient. See, and then at the right point, then you're going to have to give up something to get up, go up and get a player. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't see them trading up. I think that would defeat the purpose of building through the draft. Uh and no, but I can see him trading up. If, if if they don't trade down in the first, I can see him trading up in the second. I hear you. Uh, what Foster says, what about moving up from the 50s and 60s, Greg? And, and that's essentially that's a, what, that's, that's what, what I was just saying. saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. I want to remind everyone that you can get a lot more draft information if you go to patreon.com forward slash barroom draft. It is $10 uh, really until the beginning of – uh, uh, draft week. And then, you know, if you want to keep it for another couple of weeks, it'll be like 12 or $13. So uh, it's a great way to get detailed draft evaluations from all the bears players, all the prospects, Greg and Danny think that the bears are looking at or should not look at because they're not quite scheme fits or whatever problems this 
tons of great information. It's very cheap. Patreon.com forward slash barroom draft. And I also have one other announcement regarding this show. Starting next week, both this show and Draft on Tap will now be weekly. We have in the past uh, had them alternating, but now you will get a double dose of draft coverage, free draft coverage uh, here on the Barroom Network. Best way to stay on top of stuff is subscribe to the Barroom Network on your Twitter feed. And also make sure you are following Mr. Greg Gabriel. Greg is at, let me get rid of this banner so I can see your uh, Twitter account, at G-G-A-B-E football on Twitter. And Barroom Network is just at that Barroom Network. Greg, any final words? No, just starting to get interesting now. Oh, yes. It's... um... A lot of line goes on down out in Phoenix uh, mm-hmm. at the owners' meetings, but you know you can lay the foundation for some stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, it can make some deals. I mean, every every agent worth his snuff is out there too. So mm-hmm. you know they, they they could come away with uh, a couple free agent signings, but they wouldn't. They'd announce the deal, but it'd be the end of the week before they'd get them in here for a you know medical and have a presser because everybody's out there, mm-hmm. you know? So, and, and I think they come back. Well, the earliest they're going to get back is Thursday. Sometimes the people stay out there the whole week, but Ryan, I think being that he's a young guy, second year GM, as soon as he can get out of there, he's going to be on a plane back here, getting back to work. Mm-hmm. By the way, I think we found a new uh, uh, advertising tagline for this show and let me see if i can find it 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 was from taurine and foster uh changed it to greg shoots the bullshit down (laughs) i love that watch gabriel talks football gabriel shoots the bullshit down (laughs) we'll get you shooting at the shooting range (laughs) that'd be funny all, right. all you all you liberals would be pissed off. I had a gun in my head. Come on. As long as you ain't pointing it at me, I'll be happy. <laughs> Take care, everybody. We'll see you. Oh, by the way, South Burbs Hitman, their season premiere tonight at 8 p.m. Central. Oh, stay, stay out. Man. I got to talk to you for a second. Will do. If you're a White Sox fan, make sure you stick around 8 p.m. live tonight. South Burbs Hitman. Take care, everybody. <laughs> We'll be